our public scripture reading, Psalm 44. Psalm 44 is a psalm of lament, but it is not the lamentation of an individual. It is rather the grieving of a congregation of God's people who are perplexed over why the Lord has withheld his blessing from them, despite how faithful they have been to the Lord. Their question to God is essentially, why, Lord, why do you meet fidelity with disaster? But this question is not one of unbelief. It is a query rooted in hope that God will return. In verses 1 through 8, Psalm 44 begins this lament with looking back at the glory of what God has done for his old covenant people, Israel. What stands out in these first eight verses is the sufficiency of God's provision and power intervening, sustaining, delivering, and keeping his people from imminent destruction at the hands of her enemies. What is emphatic in these eight verses is how all the credit goes to God for what God has done. It is not man. It is not man but God who is their boast. Now there is one principal lesson that I want to draw from these first eight verses of Psalm 44. One that should greatly, I pray, encourage us in these present times not as an individual believer, but as the church of Jesus Christ. Here's the lesson. Keeping our faith fresh in God is recalling God's faithfulness in the past to strengthen our hope in him for the present. Now listen to that again. I'll repeat it. Keeping our faith fresh in God is recalling God's faithfulness in the past to strengthen our hope in him for the present. This is the point of verse 1. Look at it. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. This is why the word of God is so rich and full of real historical accounts retelling God's awesome deeds in, with, and for his people. And here's the question I want to put to you in the light of that. 
if the unchanging God, if the unchanging God has so worked in the past to provide for his people, then shouldn't we expect and believe the Lord for the same? That is a rhetorical question. The answer is quite obvious. Brothers and sisters, this means that our present trials, whatever they may be, our present trials are not as dire and hopeless as they might appear. Remember the Red Sea? Remember the walls of Jericho? Remember the fury and then the vanquishing of a man named Goliath? Remember the preservation of God's remnant in the midst of a nation of apostates? Remember the crucifixion and the resurrection? Look back at church history. What do we remember every year in October? The Protestant Reformation. But let me add some more. Do you remember the Great Awakening? 1740 to 42? Or here's one. Do you remember what historians call the Third Great Awakening? 1857 to 59. In 1857 and 58, here in the United States, there was such a movement of God's Spirit in reviving power that there were over 100,000 conversions to Christ. Every single state. Now get this, every single state at that time in the Union were touched by a visitation of God's Spirit that brought thousands to faith in Christ. I have a book at home called The Event of the Century by one of the greatest scholars of revival history, a man by the name of J. Edwin Orr. And in that book, Dr. Orr covers the primary source records of the Third Great Awakening here in this country in every single state. He has a chapter in there on the Deep South. I pulled the book off the shelf this morning to refresh my memory because there's a section in there on Alabama. Among Baptists in Alabama at that time, there was an average of 1,500 people that were brought to faith in Christ and added to the churches, the Baptist churches in Alabama. In 1858, just in that year alone, there were over 4,000 conversions, over 4,000 additions to Baptist churches. But it wasn't just the Baptists who were touched. 
There's a record of the Methodists as well. There is a record even of the Presbyterians in Alabama as well because this was a general spiritual awakening. There were courthouses that were closing down every day at noontime to meet for prayer. Can you imagine? This was even affecting Washington, D.C. And we should look back and go, Lord, where have you gone? Lord, why don't you do this again? That people, even in the state, congressmen, senators, judges, would say, at 12 noon, we're shutting everything down to have a half hour of being on our faces before God meeting with him in prayer. And that was happening all over the country. That was going on in Montgomery, Alabama in the late spring of 1858. The same immutable God who did that in 1858 is the same immutable God we trust and serve and worship and love right here, right now. He can do the same today. He can do the same today. Charles Spurgeon, during the Third Great Awakening, which would visit Great Britain in 1859, and Spurgeon was at that time the new pastor of New Park Street Church, where he would pastor for 37 years. Spurgeon would look back at that one year of 1859, and he would say, I have never baptized more people coming to faith in Christ than I did in that one year out of 37 years. God rent the heavens. God came down. He made his presence known in a way that was unusual. It was extraordinary. And you see, Psalm 44 is helping us as the people of God look that, okay, there are seasons and times in the lives of God's people as a whole when, like the sons of Korah in Psalm 44, we cry out, Lord, why won't you do this again? Have you forgotten us? Why are you withholding your blessing, your favor? Beloved, why aren't we crying out to God for that? No, we're more concerned about politics. Who cares about politics? Do you know what the Lord could do? What, if, if, God, if God came down in reviving power, what the Lord could do in a millisecond in a millisecond would have no comparison to what, to what man tries to do in 40, 50 years. In a, in, a, in a moment, in a moment, what the Lord could do in reviving, awakening power. Like the sons of Korah, in Psalm 44, we would do well to recall the past. 
we would do well to recall the past deeds of our great God and say, Lord, please, we beg of you. Visit us again in this way. Make your presence, your power known. Put it on display. And where does all the credit go? All the credit goes to God. And is that not what you see in the first eight verses of Psalm 44? You with your own hand drove out the nations. You afflicted the peoples. But them you planted, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand in your arm, in the light of your face, for you delighted in them. Do we not want our great Lord in God to get all the glory like this? Because it's not about us. It's about him. It's always about him. It's always about him. And the sons of Korah are crying out, Lord, will you visit us again? Not for our sakes, not for our praise, for your glory. For your glory. Is that the cry of our own hearts today? It should be. It should be. And, and quite frankly, when you, look, when you look at where the majority of churches are in this country, how could this not be the cry of our hearts? How could this not be the cry? Lord, what, what you did in the 1740s, what you did in the 1850s, will you do this again? Will you return again? Beloved, it's not that the Lord does anything different in kind. It's that what is the ordinary work of his sanctifying grace in the day-to-day lives of his people is just expanded and it's made more extraordinary. Our God is immutable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He tells us through Malachi, I am the Lord, I do not change. May we not expect anything different then. The same God that did part the Red Sea, that took down the walls of Jericho, that raised his son from the dead. This is the God we serve and worship and love. This is the Lord who we're united with, who we are in union with. May we cry out to him, therefore, Lord, do this again for your glory. All for your glory. Let's pray. Our righteous Father, we do affirm not only, Lord, your sufficiency to provide, to 
sustain us, to preserve us. But Heavenly Father, we affirm also today your immutability. You never change. And what a boon this is for our morale, for our faith, our trust, our confidence in you, Lord. We do not serve and worship a fickle God. But we worship and serve the Lord who changes not, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, Father, we thank you for the testimony of your holy scriptures that recall to us your redemptive history. Calling us to look not at men, but at you, Lord. To behold the feats of our infinite, eternal God to set us in awe of you to put us in great wonder and marvel of you and to strengthen our faith in you. And then most especially, Father, when the times and the seasons in which we find ourselves as your people are a very dismal, a very dismal period. There is so much, even in our own times, as it was in the days of the sons of Korah, to lament over, to grieve over. When we look at the state, the spiritual state of the church. And the church in our own nation, Lord. And, and thus we beseech you. Would you visit us again in this country as it pleased you to do so in the late 1850s? As it pleased you to do so in the early 1740s? As it pleased you to do so in great times and seasons of the 17th and the 16th centuries? of when it was so obvious, so obvious even to the non-believers that what was happening could not be accredited to man, but all the glory had to go to God. Lord, we pray that for your glory and your honor, not for our own, that you would rend the heavens as your prophet Isaiah prays. That you would indeed come down and make your presence known and felt. That there would be in a greater measure the power of the Spirit poured out. Would to God, Lord, that we would see again innumerable conversions. Sinners closing with Christ across this nation and the 
preaching of your word empowered, reaching them, reaching them in ways that would be so extraordinary, Lord, that again, all the credit would very naturally go to you. There would be no celebrities. There would only be the greatness and the glory, the grandeur and the goodness of our eternal triune God. Holy Father, we pray earnestly for this. Revive us as your people again that we may rejoice in you. We pray in the name for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.